Four. Four. Chris, the topic we will be discussing today is how do you steal from movies and books? Books is easy. You just you just tear the pages out. <laughs> and movies that you just go to... Not Napster, I guess. Have, have you pirate <laughs> movies these days? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I cannot answer that on here. Okay, very well. All right, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. And I'm Andy Rell. Um, Andy, welcome. Uh, welcome to the... the I don't know the the fire escape that is Michigan right now. I don't know if you've noticed, but we have we have some wildfires going on, and it hasn't rained in like two weeks. Um, so I have a, a pretty bad cough, which I think is brought on by the fact that the air quality index is like super poor, very very poor. <laughs> okay, like that. yeah, yeah. So if you um if you hear me sort of disappear uh, for a moment, um, I'm probably muted, coughing, hacking up a lung, anything like that. But if you actually collapse and go unresponsive for more than a few minutes, I'll. I'll probably pause the podcast and call the police. I mean, probably. You can just yeah. vamp for a while, too. I'll, yeah. I'll be back. back yeah, I, I got this. No worries. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you you said right before we hit record, you said that you had something you wanted to bring up. And I, I was like, well, let's just do it. Let's do it live. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we haven't really done jamming tips kind of in a while mm-hmm. on this show. So I have a tip to share that I've learned. Oh. It's part of a bigger topic. I would love to hear how you address and listeners, if you want to write in and let us know what you do about this, that'd be fantastic. So I'm six-ish months into a weekly Cthulhu campaign. Mm-hmm. And it is a complicated one with lots of NPCs. It's an ongoing campaign. So there's note-taking and there's remembering who you talk to and who is that person in the Houston you know, police department that, you know, that a lot of details like that to track. And I knew going into this, that that was going to be a new challenge for me. Uh, So I spent a lot of time looking into these sort of uh, very impressive solutions, like online, I think World Anvil is Mm -hmm. one of these services. It's like, put all your, you know, put all of your campaign notes and your maps and your info into this and track it. There's a lot of different options that people use, but I never really landed on one of those kind of commercial solutions. So I'm curious how you, how you have or how you would track and keep notes, keep basically keep organized between campaign sessions. Let me tell you where I've kind of landed because that's where my GM tip comes in. Mm-hmm. So I started out for the first couple months, I just had a physical notebook. And at the end of each session, I wrote down the noteworthy stuff that happened, where the NPCs, key NPCs were at the end of the session, that sort of thing. I ended up gravitating to Microsoft OneNote. Oh, because it's free and it's pretty simple to use. There's, there's, I'm sure, much better fancier solutions and even ones that are tailored for tracking role-playing mm-hmm. campaigns. But So I use OneNote. And in the process of that, I picked up a tip I want to recommend to you. I have discovered that the best way for me to record what happens during a game session is soon after the game session is done, I open up an app that does text or speech-to-text mm. uh, transliteration or whatever the term is. I used OneNote for this, but I bet a million apps do it. I'm sure Word has it built in. And I just take like a minute and a half and I describe what happened. 
in these game session. It turns it into text that I can later go. I'm a text person. So mm-hmm. it turns it into text. So I can later go back and see a text file that says they killed such and such an NPC and this one got away and this is the clue they got. Mm-hmm. And I found that works much better than me trying to remember to like to write all this stuff down on my own. So that like 90 seconds to summarize mm-hmm. it the way I would to like the way I would recap the session at the beginning of a game. So I don't know. That's, That's there's like there's a little tip if you haven't tried it and you struggle with like remembering what happened last time. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Give it a shot. So I'm going to stop babbling here and ask you, what do you think about all that? And how do you tackle this? That is um, really interesting to hear. So, I mean, I think the, I have not really played around with like the voice to text stuff um, in, in years and years. Cause the, the last time that I tried it in, in earnest, it was just not there Yes. Yeah, Yeah. But it sounds like, I mean, I think, so you're mentioning this, I have a doctor that actually does that too. Um, so he doesn't take physical notes. He just sort of records himself mm-hmm. um, as stuff comes up during um, during our meetings and stuff. And like, yeah, and then just transcribes it right on his computer. Um, but that's a fascinating way to do it. Like, do you find that if you were to sit down and just write all that out, do you think you just wouldn't, you wouldn't do it or like, yeah, I, I wouldn't do it. And okay. that's what I discovered about myself for the first couple of months when I was, when I was trying to write these out, yeah. I wouldn't do it. It's boring. I like it forget stuff. It takes time. I have to like motivate myself to do it. Cause it's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's more than 90 seconds worth of work. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I'm a lazy GM. I mean, I'll put that out front. That's but, okay. Yeah. And I get, I mean, it's not perfect, but you know, if the last time you messed with uh, voice to text stuff was like five years ago, I, I suspect it's quite a bit better now. Yeah. And you remember it. Should go to the shot. I mean, did you, um, would you ever like record that and just play that audio back for your players? <laughs> right. I, like, like here's the recap. Like I just, I recorded this recap right at the end of our last session. Let's just listen to it together and see, see if that matches. You know, it sounds really dumb. That hadn't really occurred to me to do that, but uh, I guess I don't know why I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll yeah. give it a try. Yeah. Cause I think like what, what I found playing games and running games and stuff is that it, it's sort of like it, like it matters what happened during the last session, but what matters almost more is that like, you know, last time on, right. Like that sort of recap mm-hmm. thing that you do around the table where you all sort of like piece together a little bit of like, Oh, this is what happened. This would happen. The GM throws in sort of like the, the stuff that you should, you should probably remember because it's going to come up right in this one. Yeah. So there's like that, that level of um, that level of those recaps uh, of play I think are useful for sort of restating like what we have decided the story is, you know, going forward. But then there is, I think there are those like kind of GM notes of like, I can't believe they fell for my trap, like that I'm going to spring, <laughs> spring <Yes>. on them. <laughs> right. You don't want to give them, give them all that sort of stuff too. But I think that that could be pretty fun of like, yeah, uh, you can almost even do it around the table. It's like everybody, like everybody say a sentence of what you want to remember, <laughs> remember next week. That is interesting. Character. Yeah. Well, I will say this. So I, this Cthulhu campaign has has uh, transitioned intentionally into the Masks of Nyarlathotep campaign, which is mm-hmm. well known, also pretty complex uh, camp, considered a pretty complex mm-hmm. campaign to run. Lots of PCs and NPCs and stuff, and it has been this. It has this has been the first campaign I've run in a while where I've really had to wrangle with the balance between like how much of this info do I kind of retain myself. How much do I rely on the players to track what seems important and then just riff on what they've bothered to, to note, track mm-hmm. down, things like that? And I mean, I can't, 
can't say that we've found the perfect solution to that yet, except that, you know, the players take pretty, pretty extensive notes and I take pretty extensive notes mm-hmm. and it's worked. It's worked okay so far. I think I might've mentioned in a previous show, you know, I, there have been a couple of times where like I knew a key piece of info was in notes that they had taken. Yeah. And so there is that like, um, how do as the GM, how do I kind of prompt them to take a closer look at their notes or, you know, you know, one of the players, my teenager, and they'll kind of flip through and they'll be like, Oh no, there's nothing in the notes. It's like, no, I, I think there is. Like, yes. uh, yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, is that like an in-game idea role? I think that somewhere in your notes is info about this person, or is that just a, you know, mm-hmm. um, step out of, step out of the game for a minute and say it's in your notes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that that recall. If you can come, if you can recall it yourself, I think there's a lot of joy that can be derived of that. Yes. And if someone's like telling you, like, please go to page two of your notes, <laughs> you yes. wrote it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I, that might be too, less fun. Yeah. Too much of that, and you feel like you're just kind of hauling your characters through the mystery rather than letting them mm-hmm. engage with it. So you know that doesn't happen a ton. If it did, I would, I would rethink how I'm presenting info and clues to the players. But you know, it's yeah. just interesting to think about. Yeah, I think the the way that I've approached this is I, I usually, you know, if I'm if I'm being as organized as possible, I will have a a note card for each of the major NPCs mm, where I can kind of yep. write down like sort of the the state of play of what's going on with them or any kind of major stuff that happened, hit points, you know, those sorts of things. So you can just you have a stack of these note cards and you can just kind of like yeah, deal them out um, to yourself as you need to. Uh, but yeah, usually, um, yeah, usually I kind of fall back on the like like if we don't remember it and no one else remembers it at the table, then it probably wasn't important to the story. <laughs> so there's, there's yep. that side of it too. Um, but I mean, I think with, with running mass, which is such a complicated campaign and there is a lot of value to be derived and enjoyment of like remembering stuff that's happening over this long period of time. Mm-hmm. I think that style of note, like note taking <laughs> wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure I have it right. So I, I played in a mass game and an eternalized um, campaign and I have I still have my notebooks from those somewhere, oh, right? that's like awesome. I, I kept them like one of them the eternal lies game I actually made made like a custom journal oh for, wow like yeah oh that's like, awesome yeah it was super fun I'll have to dig it up I'm sure I've showed it to you before I'm sure I've talked about it quite a bit on the podcast before too but that was really fun right and then I mean I filled up probably half of it with yeah. notes from that campaign too oh that's a delightful I mean you and I have talked a lot about yeah. just the joy of those physical artifacts mm-hmm. of a game yeah. You um you record, you know, it's a you know, it's an artifact from your game, you know, mm-hmm. it's unique to your experience of the game. It's what a neat thing to be able to flip through. Yeah. From a jamming perspective, you know, this is the first time in a while I've you know, players have had to take, you know, continual extensive notes and it is it is certainly possible to, you know, really not worry too much about what's come before and just keep pressing ahead. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not too difficult. Mm-hmm. I, it's a fair, the way I run it is a pretty pulpy campaign. So, you know, I could get away with it, but I find that it is a fun incentive to me, you know, as the GM to realize with all this stuff recorded, why not, why not pull something out of this and make it relevant again, you know, rather than just come up with something, you know, new that they, that they don't have any context for. I think over time it creates a richer experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. Yeah, it does. I mean, I think a lot of the the note taking stuff to me, since you're not getting paid <laughs> paid to do it, <laughs> it, it like it comes down to sort of like yeah, what's going to be the most enjoyable way to sort of like do this thing for you. So if if you 
are a GM who absolutely hates taking notes, like just don't run long campaigns, right? Like it's, it's okay. Like you can just do, yeah. do shorter stuff. If you really get a lot of joy out of organizing all that, all that stuff and you love using obsidian or OneNote or whatever to create these, these awesome mind maps, everything like, yeah, do that too. Like find, find whatever sort of like makes you happy, yeah. uh, happy in that space. And I think like, that's, that's totally okay. Like you'll find the players that also connect with that too. Like I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are listening to this that like, if my GM didn't take notes on the level that I wanted to, I wouldn't want to play with them. That's fine. Yeah. We're probably not going to have a great time playing together. Right. Like if you're, if you're, if I'm your GM, cause it's just like, that, that's not where I'm getting like value out of the yeah. hobby. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, where I'm at right now uh, is that for many years, I have really run nothing nothing longer than like a short campaign. So mm -hmm. maybe six sessions of something. And I, I am very confident I can do that. Like that's something I enjoy doing. I can do it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to do a lot of prep to do that. You know, I have fun with it, but I don't know. I'm enjoying challenging myself a little bit. I, I know I'm never going to be that hyper organized GM. That's got, like you say, all these tons of stuff set up in obsidian or world anvil and all mm -hmm. hyperlinked to each other and never going to be that person but it is there is there is fun and it's a different experience of this hobby and i'm trying to at least get a taste of it mm -hmm. to invest in and it takes work to do it but like i'm trying to invest just enough to get a feel for that, what what that more organized GM's experience is like. <laughs> yeah. And it's definitely rewarding and it definitely has drawbacks that remind me why I don't, you know, I don't often do this. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, your players are playing characters, so you might as well get to play a character, a, a character <laughs> of a, a GM who is organized and put together. That's right. Yeah. And uh, for this game, I'll be playing an organized GM who takes notes and yes. keeps track of their campaign in between sessions. So. Yeah, and has, has all, all of my life sorted out and no problems. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds great. That's the, yeah, right. It's like the, the real fantasy, right. Of, of tabletop role-playing games is that like, yeah, you, uh, you just spend time <laughs> with your friends. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, anyway, I just wanted to share that. Mostly I wanted to share that quick, uh, record your audio, uh, tip mm, because, yeah. uh, that helped me as a non-planner, non-organized, uh, GM yeah. to have better notes about what happened. So, um, if you have a different way to do it, actually, I'd be super interested to hear. Mm -hmm. this, yes. So. Yeah, that's cool stuff. Um, all right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about our, the topic that we rolled. Um, so this is how do you steal from movies and books? Yeah. And I think the, <laughs> what I like about this question is like, it is, it, it is a, a given that you are stealing from movies and books, not whether or yeah. not you should. Um, and I think that's, that's very true. So, yeah. So do you steal from movies and books, Chris? What's the time that you stole from movies and books? Um, I would like to go back to, so John Corey, who's been a guest and, um, is one of the, the hosts of, um, the splat book says this a lot about how like all, all tabletop games are essentially like role-playing, uh, different genres. Um, so I think that any idea that I've ever had at, at the table has been stolen from, from a movie or a book, although probably, uh, somewhat indirectly. I think I don't like, like. I don't think I've ever done the thing where like I steal a scene exactly from something, but everything is very much inspired by, yeah. right? Like I think there's always a reference back to like Indiana Jones or yeah, Lord of the Rings or whatever. 
whatever it might be, depending on the the type of game that I'm running. But uh, I've also I've played in games where it's very clear that like the scene is stolen from <laughs> from a movie or a book. <laughs> yeah. In fact, yeah, a recent session that I was playing in in the uh, uh, the Enemy Within campaign that I'm playing in, uh, yeah. Matt or GM had just stolen a scene from some Western movie, like just for the setup for it. And it was great, uh-huh. right? It was super fun. Like the setup was like exactly from, from the movie. I can't even remember which one it was exactly, but it was just like, this is, this is the the scene that we're kind of, we're, we're playing through it. And of course like everything went wrong and like it kind of spun out of control from, from how it happened in the movie too. Yeah. But it was like great for like a setup. Well, uh, you know, this isn't just the, the podcast where we talk about John Corey, but he also said something with regard to the James Bond RPG. Oh, yeah. He's really into a, that right now. About yeah. how... So I have not played this game. I haven't read it. So this is like secondhand reporting. Mm-hmm. So any errors? Sorry. Yeah. John, the way John described it, the kind of published adventures for that RPG are based directly on movies, mm. James Bond movies. So Goldfinger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Except that uh, scenes would be scenes would be switched out for something kind of parallel to what happened in the movie, but otherwise, you know, fit in. So I don't remember the example used, but whatever. If there is a um, if there's a bank robbery in the movie, the published adventure would follow the same plot, except that that action scene would be a uh, uh, you know a, another type. <laughs> the, you can only rob banks i'm sorry yeah, I, yeah. What, what else do people rob you know that that action scene would be mm-hmm. um, like a, a just, gas station but that's not very james yeah. bond <laughs> i mean the same the same type of scene but just the details are changed enough so yeah. that you don't feel like you're just walking through the exact footsteps of mm-hmm. the film characters yeah and i don't know i've been thinking about that ever since he described it partly because that's I just don't know that I've heard anything quite like that in mm-hmm. the role-playing world before. I mean, I've played and seen plenty of games that do genre emulation, but straight up, the the just the very idea of like straight up going playing through like the story, like a story taken straight from a film or a book, mm-hmm. like that. I don't know. That's not something I've seen done. Partly because it, you know, it seems off instinctively off-putting to me. Hmm. I'm intrigued by the idea of of mostly doing it, but trying to find it the exact right number of details you need to change in hmm. order to make it feel like something fresh and unique for the players. Versus, yeah, yeah, no, it's a it's a really fascinating idea. I mean, I, I don't think you'd have to change much, right? Like, I mean, because if the players are inserting themselves sort of into the scene and the the names are changed to protect the innocent, right? Like that like those, those little details and like, yeah, whatever the MacGuffin is, um, or the, the plot point. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would, I'm also a simple man though. So, I mean, if you, if you just gave me beat by beat the plot to some James Bond movie, and, like <laughs> swapped out a few things like that, I'd be like, Oh, this is great. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, if you had the right table, I think that could work really well. Like my mind immediately went to like, if you did that with like the matrix movie, like the first matrix movie or something like that, like there's a lot of great set pieces. I mean, yeah. Right. That's like, there's sort of the whole thing, right. It's, it's a bunch of set pieces there, but I mean, you could, you could rip off any of those and just drop them into an action sequence. And I think it'd be, it'd be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the, um, the scene where like where they enter that, that building and they can like shoot their way through, yes. through everybody like that. That's a great setup, right? It's like, choose your weapons like everybody knows you're coming in there you know you're going in there like how are you going to approach this thing right and there's a bunch of yes. pillars so 
my sense is, so obviously for some people and maybe for you and me, when we're in the right mood, it, it's fine to just say, you know, Hey, we're just going to, we're going to lift this scene from Empire Strikes Back and yeah. just basically play it as is. Yeah. However, I, I do feel like generally speaking, most players and GMs want it tweaked a certain amount. Mm-hmm. And that makes me think that maybe I'm going to throw this out there. Maybe the key to stealing from another medium is to take like one element to find something you like a scene you like mm-hmm. and take one thing from that scene and pull it over into your game. Yeah. So here's, here's an example. Um, when I was uh, running call of Cthulhu in the nineties, one of the first successful campaigns I ran, I was playing this video game called uh, Clive Barker's undying, mm-hmm. which is one of the great un- underappreciated gems of horror gaming but mm-hmm. um that's for our other podcast where we just talked about <laughs> yeah uh anyway uh that game i loved that game centers around this creepy family uh mm-hmm. this super creepy family of filled with these awful villainous but intriguing characters i love those characters i couldn't the plot of the video game wouldn't really work in call of cthulhu at all but I lifted those characters. I don't even know that I changed their names hmm. and I pulled them straight over into my game. And I just tried to let those characters affect, you know, my campaign in the way that their natures would lead them to do. And it led to a pretty successful campaign. I didn't feel like I had just made them replay the video game undying in tabletop form. And mm-hmm. uh, nobody minded when I, when I upfront said these characters are heavily inspired by, or maybe just stolen from this mm-hmm. video game you've never heard of. Yeah. And I don't know. So that just thinking about that stuff and about, you know, what makes these great action scenes, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Find one or two things, maybe pull them in and yeah. then like, see how those things interact with what you already have. I think that's the key yeah it's like how how it interacts with what what you're doing there yeah like if you if you take an npc directly from a movie and plop it into your universe like they're not just going to say the lines from the movie right like they're gonna <laughs> they're gonna interact with it in a different way um yeah. i think like another element to this is for for me and i think this is the, the thing that i probably do more is is just like referencing back to movies and books for like scene descriptions or like character mm. descriptions yep as well Right, like the shorthand of like, I don't know, like what elves look like in Lord of the Rings, right? Like that's a really useful thing that you so you don't have to stop and sort of describe to everybody and make sure everybody's on the same page of like what what an elf looks like. It's just like, well, you know what Legolas looks like, right? Like yeah, yeah so you kinda look like that, but in my yeah. games it's usually Keebler elves, but, okay. but your yes. point your point is taken. Yes, yeah, you're yeah, yeah you are a monster. <laughs> <laughs> Can you think of a scene, and I'm, I guess I'm thinking kind of action scenes because those mm-hmm. tend to translate well into RPGs. Any like great scenes from movies besides that Matrix one you mentioned that you've ever just hauled over into a game? I'm trying to think if there is anything. I can't, although I feel like a lot of the, a lot of like action scenes, um, I get really into the initial setup of them. Hmm. Right. And I try to make those as dramatic as possible. And I think I'm always sort of in the back of my mind thinking about Westerns. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Westerns, like the, like the long, like long stare, you know, like someone's positioned up on, on the top of a cliff with the sun behind them. Yeah. Right. Like those, those sorts of setups. 
are like really fun to me to think about. And then once the action starts going, then I, I kind of like lose the plot <laughs> plot a little bit, but yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't, I can't think of anything offhand, I guess. Yeah. What about you? Do you have anything that you've I, drawn? From? I, I feel more than stealing action scenes directly. I have learned a lot and we have talked a lot of it on this podcast. I've learned a lot from like how video games mm-hmm. stage fights. I've learned a lot about what makes a good or bad kind of quote boss fight by playing good and bad ones in video games. Mm -hmm. And I have absolutely taken, you know, like the whole, the whole idea of, uh, you know, stages of a boss fight and punctuating the boss fight with like encounters with smaller groups of minions and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's a video game thing that I wouldn't, that would not have occurred to me naturally to do an RPG that, that, that I do routinely when I'm running that type of game. Mm-hmm. So I, f- I feel like I've learned from the way that other mediums do stuff more than I have just copied what they do. Yeah. Did you like, you know, so we've talked a lot about movies and games and stuff. Is, are, are there anything from like, yeah, anything from books that you've really tried to, to pull over? I feel like that's a little bit harder. I think other than descriptions of places, you know, or descriptions of like people and stuff to, to kind of evoke those senses. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe I don't read the right kind of great kinds of books. I mean, I've even read like the D and D like tie in, you know, like the, the Dragonlance books and stuff. Yeah. Like it yeah. never occurred to me to, to pull anything out from those. That's so hard because when I think about, I mean, obviously there's a million, every type of book out there that you could be reading. But when mm-hmm. I think about, the things I remember that stick with me when I read a book, it's almost always character interactions and confrontations, mm-hmm. like just uh, characters interacting with each other. And those are much harder. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm thinking about the last couple of books I've read and I guess some of them had some neat action scenes, but those weren't the good parts of the book. The yeah. good parts of the book were the character stuff. Yeah. And that I wouldn't know, you know, that I would love, I love it when there's good character stuff in an RPG. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to bring something over to make that happen mm-hmm. without the, my players already being like prepped and primed to do it. Yeah. So, I mean, like the closest I can think is, you know, when I played in our, my recent Star Trek game, mm-hmm. you know, people acted in ways they wouldn't act if they weren't familiar with Star Trek, like we were all consciously, this is Star Trek. So act like a Star Trek hero would act so that, I mean, so we were all participating in the, like, let's, but, but, you know, let's, I don't know. Am I making sense here? That's not, I don't, I don't really think of that as like stealing, you know, that Mm -hmm. feels to me like kind of you're emulating the genre. All that to say, I don't know it's hard for me to think of like a scene in a book that, um, that I've hauled over into my game Mm -hmm. with books, you know, as with movies, it's more just like that, that character is a great villain. So the next villain I have is going to kind of have those characteristics. Yeah. Sort of stealing. Yeah. Um, just as, yeah. Like I think with the star Trek example, um, like that's a good one because as soon as you said that, like I immediately, could sense myself sort of like sitting more upright <laughs> too. And like, just, yeah. Thinking like a, a very rational far future, <laughs> you know, yeah, individual, yeah. right. Like, I think there is that you, you, like you say like a Star Trek character and you sort of like, 
understand that unless you are only a fan of like whatever the the recent <laughs> Star Trek movies are. <laughs> but like, yeah, but I'm like, yeah, <laughs> even uh, like even Kirk, right? Like, still has sort of that like, you know, I'm you know hot headed, whatever, you know, like super intelligent, whatever. It's still sort of rational. I'm like, you know, yeah, like that sort of thing. Like, and you you wouldn't want a, a team full of Kirks walking around anyway. But yeah, it's like uh, you, I sort of like know how to play that, and I think yeah. that is something that you you don't you wouldn't intuitively pick that up unless someone had sat you down and made you watch a bunch of Star Trek. Right. Yeah. It, it does feel specifically Star Trek. I don't think there's a way you could get that, that feel without saying it's like Star Trek, you know, yes. we're like we're doing Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It does. Uh, <laughs> the thought of like, like what would be like the worst or the hardest possible thing to try to translate into the game table um, my my mind went to like uh, the Great Gatsby. Like like how would you yeah. how would you steal a scene from the Great Gatsby and put it into your your fantasy campaign that work well? I mean like there's obviously like the like the like party sequences right. I think could actually work pretty well. Um, you know like poured it over a little bit, but like yeah I don't know like there's I think there's a sense like you were getting back to what you were saying with books that like the interesting part about like literary fiction in particular is like is the like the the psychological interactions between between characters and not so much the action yeah action sequences although i would make the argument that all the good literary, literary fiction does have a lot of interesting action <laughs> in it too, yeah but yeah for sure you know but th- there's just types of experiences you can have in a book that are just awfully hard to do in a an rpg in a group mm-hmm. of people you know in a book it's enthralling you know when a character just comes to an understanding of something yeah. or makes a leap, uh, makes a leap, a logical leap or figures something out or mm-hmm. has an insight into his wife's character or something like that. And yeah. I mean, that can happen in an RPG, I guess, but it doesn't, but in such a different way than you experience it in a book that it's really hard to imagine having that happen at the table, let alone uh, pulling over, you know, set piece elements from a book to mm-hmm. engineer it happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is good stuff. It's, it's making me wonder about maybe being a little bit more intentional about that theft <laughs> such and yeah. trying that. Like, I mean, I think there's definitely some action sequences. I mean, like pick anything from Indiana Jones, right. And like yes. tweak, tweak a couple things. and like, that, that'd be a fun time. You know, my okay. mind kept going to Indiana Jones throughout this conversation because mm-hmm. when I think of, you know, what, what movies have scenes that seem like they would, just be really fun to experience in a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, Indiana Jones has got to be very high yeah. on that list. So I was even thinking, like, have I stolen Indiana Jones, you know, action sequence? What makes those action sequences great? You know, mm-hmm. it's that even with those sequences, you know, what makes them fun is not really what maybe most tabletop games, uh, not the experience that they're geared to producing. Mm-hmm. You know, like what is a, I don't know, maybe this is different in kind of this more modern era of consequences and success with costs, but you know, Indiana Jones action sequences are great because Indy is just scrabbling yeah. to keep on top of whatever the latest disastrous development just occurred, right? Everything he does, it like causes something worse to happen. And uh, now the plane is on fire mm-hmm. and whatever. Now the, now the boulder is, you know, and I guess possible to do that in an RPG, but, you know, 
just taking an Indiana Jones like action scene. Like, okay, there's like six Nazi soldiers over here and they all have machine guns. Yes. And here's a big statue, Egyptian statue here. You know, that that alone does not really create a recipe for an Indiana Jones style action scene, right? Yeah. I mean Indy Indy basically is constantly to, to say it in Blades of the Dark terms, he is constantly in a desperate position and only rolling mixed successes yeah. until he, <laughs> yes. until every once in a while he rolls a success. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I mean is, is great for keeping the action going. Um, I think it's, it's hard to know without having a team of writers sitting down and hashing it out for months at a time, like exactly how to modulate that. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, like right. When, to, when to be like, okay, and now he needs to actually like, you know, get out of this, out of the situation <laughs> yes. before it yeah. keeps making it worse. Um, but yeah, but I mean, like, I'm just thinking about like the, the tank scene from Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. From, I think it's from Raiders, right? Like, uh, last just, uh, last Crusade is the one where he's like dangling on the side of the tank. Yes. Yeah. Yes, is that's that last last Crusade? Crusade. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I actually, I rewatched that scene like a few months ago okay. specifically because it's like that, you know, what was a great scene was that whole scene with the tank. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole scene. Does that, does that scene end? Does that go from the tank scene right into the plane? Where he's fighting that guy? Or is that a separate uh, one? I think they are separate. Okay. The, yeah, the yeah. tank scene, I think, feeds into, like, then he goes into the uh, kind of final yes, okay. dungeon. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, though the plane one that I'm thinking about is he's fighting, he's just fighting this, like, big bruiser guy, like, as oh, the yes. plane's, yeah. plane's trying to take off. Um, the ending to that's really great, too. But, yeah. yeah, but, I mean, there's all these, like, amazing, like, things. I, mean, I think if you just, like, lifted the scenario out out of there, you know, and like plopped into your game, it would be, it'd be pretty fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Um, All right. Well, let's, let's wrap up there. Um, I think that was a pretty good conversation. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm really going to have to think about that and just, yeah, (laughs) try to try to piece some stuff together. I think we've talked about it before, like about the pacing of a session and a campaign. And I mean, I think like, I almost wonder if you, if you strung together some of these as like sort of your pacing mechanic, Hmm. like of like, and then the, the thing that you're adding is sort of the the tissue to get between those set pieces. I think that could be a fun way to put together, put together a campaign. Yeah. So, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, uh, this has been Roll for Topic. We are part of the Roll for It Media Podcasting Network. Our sister show, The Splat Book with John Corey and Kyle Latino um, is great. You should go check them out at thesplatbook.com. Uh, their recent episode, they kind of got into it a little bit about, um, like this, this, the, the interface between games and capitalism and like, yeah, all this, all this sort of stuff, which is really good. The sorts of things we don't necessarily talk about too much on this podcast, but I think they had a great discussion over there. So you should go, go listen to that. Um, John is worried that they're going to get canceled because, um, they, they came down a little bit harder on 5e than I think a lot of people <laughs> might, uh-huh. might agree with, uh, I know including... who won't be getting invited to the next, you know, D and D insider yes. event. <laughs> yes. Yeah. They, they've fully burned that bridge. Um, yeah, I mean, I've got, I've got my tickets already. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely go listen to them. Uh, yeah, we love them. It's really great. But I think that does it for us. Uh, this has been Roll for Topic. Um, we are heading into the summer, I guess, just a quick kind of programming note. Um, so we might do a couple different things here. And we've got the, the con coming up and stuff. Um, I know we've got a lot of travel and things. So just please bear with us. Uh, we will keep putting out podcast episodes. They just might not all look exactly the same <laughs> as what we have um, during the non-summer times. But yeah. So Chris, I just want to pause here at the very end. Uh, mm-hmm. How's the condition of the air doing? Are you going to just 
uh, collapse and faint as soon as we sign off here? <laughs> yes, my throat has been steadily getting drier and drier as we've been going on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was joking earlier that I just want to go find like a swamp or a bog to go live in <laughs> for a bit <laughs> until we can get some rain here. So the newest, uh, the newest superhero sensation, right there. Yes, is the swamp bog <laughs> bog man <laughs> who just just wants some humidity. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, well, I've been Chris Osmond. I've been Andy Rao. Remember, if your players are having fun, you're a great GM.